welcome to episode Taper Pepper of the Shannon Plan Podcast. That is episode number 46. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by Akash. Akash. Somehow I messed that up already. Good start. Akash, what's going on, man? Fantastic start. I, I miss a week uh, with some other stuff, and he forgets how to pronounce my name. Just, you know, par for the course uh, with KP Long here, time no see. Long time no see. Uh, but yeah, excited to be on. Not much happened in the world of 49ers, but as always, the Shannon Plan Podcast is always here to talk about whatever little is happening. Yeah, we'll have a state franchise for the 49ers that happens on Wednesday where we expect them to announce specific jerseys, maybe you a helmet. Um, what else do you think is going to go down in the state of the franchise? Yeah, we, we were talking about this before we hit record. Uh, state of the franchise normally is a cool event. I'm not sure if other teams in the NFL do it, but the 49ers do. And they've always got, you know, the team president out. Guido always has updates on things related to the stadium, the team, the business side, uh, which is always cool to hear about. Then they typically have John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan. They've got some folks from the media that come out uh, and talk about the team. So, and, and I think they've, they've got a couple of players and George Kittle and Fred Warner also coming, faces of the franchise maybe. Um, so it, it's just a neat little time. There's, you know, not much happening. It's really the, the height of the offseason. And they just kind of inject some positive life back into the fan base with some cool announcements. And I think the highlight is going to be the jerseys that you referred to, the what we think is the 94 throwback reds. So, you know, they wear the 94 throwback whites uh, pretty often uh, these past few seasons. But the throwback reds are really, really special. Probably my favorite uniform ever with the 49ers. And so excited to see that this team gets to don those uh, in honor of their 75th season. So you mentioned the face of the franchise and you talked about, you know, George Kittle and Fred Warner, who are obviously not debatably, objectively, two of the best players on the 49ers. If I were to say who are the five faces of the franchise for the 49ers, so you throw in those two, you throw in Nick Bosa, who would be the other two? Trent Williams would be one. Trent Williams. We're just naming yeah. the best players. But who would be that last one? Can I say Kyle Shanahan? Does that does that count or does that have to be a player? Oh, yeah. No, no, I don't know. Oh, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Eliminate Kyle Shanahan. Then okay, what do you say? Play, players only. Uh, it's probably too soon to go Trey Lance, but I feel like you'd have to lean that way. I, you just couldn't lean Jimmy Garoppolo just because of the investment. He plays the most important position in the sport. I don't think you could lead Jimmy Garoppolo just because you know that his time with the team is short. I saw this argument on social media about who the five best players in the 49ers are, and there's a clear... F- top four, right? It's Bosa, Warner, Kittle, Trent Williams, whatever order you want. Like that's, that's tier one. And then there's like a clear drop off to the next set of guys. And so that's why we're kind of in this debate here. But I would say if you're going face of the franchise, you'd have to probably include Trey Lance, even though he hasn't played a snap for the team. Yeah. It's tough to put that type of pressure on a rookie who happens to play quarterback. So he'll have the ball in his hands every play, but at the same time, uh, three first round picks, man. Tough to ignore that type of investment. So uh, here you are. Show them off to the world. Why not hype them up with nothing nothing wrong with that at all? Speaking of Trey Lance, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo on Good Morning Football on Monday on their segment, they were asking who's going to win the NFC West. And naturally, there's four, four people talking about it. The three people each pick different teams. And Mike Garofolo distant cousin of Jimmy Garoppolo, apparently, allegedly. And also had, (laughs) right, right. Jimmy G also had, or he had Jimmy G in like his Twitter profile pic, which, all right, 
Um, a little weird. Anyway, yes, he said. Very fanboyish. <laughs> so it is. It's super fanboyish, man. Anyway, okay, okay, okay. Enough piling on that. So he said with a qualifier, if he picked the 49ers by saying, if everyone on the team doesn't get injured, essentially, which, yeah, of course, you can say that every year. But what he added, and this was unprompted, so unprompted, so I was a little you know, taken aback by this. It was surprising. Out of nowhere, he was like, I think the 49ers could make the playoffs and win the division and still have QB change in the middle of the season. I truly believe that now. That's not a knock on Jimmy G. It's just that Trey Lance, from what I gather, has already shown up there and proven that he is mentally at the stage of the game and a lot more maybe than people thought. And I feel bad for Jimmy, but there's nothing Jimmy can do to stave that off. If Trey Lance is lighting it up in the preseason, he's showing them day in and day out, maybe at practice or whatnot, they're going to make a change and they're going to do that when he's ready, no matter what Jimmy does. So as he was saying, it's really up to Trey Lance as to when he plays. It's an incredibly talented roster. So, yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot to say because what we've been hearing is, you know, Jimmy's going to be the starter. And Kyle Shannon, he said on uh, the athletic podcast that, you know, it's going to be a QB battle. But he was also hinting that it's going to be just tough for a rookie to beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. And that that would be the case for anybody. But for Garoppolo to come out and say this, that was surprising because it almost made it seem like it's inevitable. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And that win is more than likely going to happen in the first half of the season. And everybody, you know, has that bye week circled. So uh, we've talked about this a lot. We're just getting more and more perspective, more information, new information. And yeah, I, I just, I have a follow-up for you, but I want your take on this. I think most people that follow the 49ers or fans of the team, cover the team, whatever, I think they've all been looking at this the wrong way. Everyone has been... Kind of, they've already anointed Jimmy Garoppolo as the starting quarterback, which is fair. And they just assume that Trey Lance will take over whenever Jimmy Garoppolo falters, doesn't play well, gets hurt. And then the 49ers need a backup to step in. And that's where Trey Lance comes in. And hopefully he, he plays well and they can just, you know, go on from there. You know, I think after these comments from Mike uh, Garoppolo, it almost shifts your perspective on this. You think, okay. Jimmy Garoppolo could be having a good season. He could be playing well. The team could be winning. But maybe Trey Lance's development also progresses during that time early in the season. And internally, maybe Kyle Shanahan feels, okay, yes, we're winning with Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think I can bring along this guy and get him the necessary experience in the season um, and you know, continue to make a playoff push, even with a rookie quarterback in, in Trey Lance. So I think it, after these comments, I feel like maybe we've just been looking at this opposite where – it's all about Trey Lance. Whenever Trey Lance is ready, whenever he feels comfortable, whenever Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel and the offensive staff feel comfortable with him leading the team, being the quarterback, that's when he'll play. And that's not dependent on record. That's not dependent on how Garoppolo's playing, et cetera. It also kind of tells me that early on in the season, say, you know, in the first couple of weeks, if Jimmy Garoppolo struggles, the team may continue to stick with him a little bit if Trey Lance isn't ready either, right? I think this is all about getting, you know, setting up the table for Trey Lance to be comfortable um, and getting him kind of eased in correctly. And cause that, you know, he's the future of the team, third overall pick. You gave up three first round picks. You got to make sure that player uh, comes in confident, ready to roll and can play whenever they insert him into the lineup. So I, I don't think the 49ers brass coaching staff looks at it the way that most fans do where it's, it's Super Bowl or bust this season. They can't win without a rookie quarterback, et cetera. I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch realize, okay, 
They've kind of hit a little bit of a reset here. They've drafted a rookie quarterback. They've bought themselves a few more years on their contract. So you, they got to slow play this a little bit. And it's all about Trey Lance at this point. And those comments definitely indicate that to me. Knowing that it's all about Trey Lance, knowing that he was the investment that he was, knowing that the team spoke about moving up for him in February, let's say hypothetically Lance is a guy come a month into the season. So he is impressive all throughout training camp. You know, he gets a certain amount of snaps week one, and that just keeps rising and rising and rising until the point where, holy heavens, man, we got to get this dude on the field full time because he just makes everybody around him better. They completely mismanage the situation if that happens. I don't understand. I don't think that there's an alternate answer because – You've handcuffed your team throughout the offseason when you could have added more players or just had more flexibility, and now you're stuck with that contract. And I know there there's a lot more that goes into this besides money because you have the whole mentorship thing and whatnot. But if he's not learning from this giant $25, $27 million contract, why is he on the roster? And why? how in the world do you underrate a player – that you moved up from number 12 to number three and sent two future first round picks for. How do you come, how do you come to the conclusion that maybe he might need to sit a year or I guess a better way to phrase it would be, how do you come to, you know, the answer of he's not going to be ready as opposed to why not let's go all in on him. If we're going to push all these chips on him, let's continue to build around him, take advantage of that first year. I feel like there are so many just different variables and they all come back to, the 49ers blowing this if Trey Lance does play sooner than later because they had an opportunity. And and I'm not just speaking about adding a Julio Jones type of player, but instead of a- adding a Samson uh, Abukum, they could have added, you know, a higher grade pass rusher, you know, a, a more quality pass rusher. Maybe they would have been able to add another wide receiver. Who knows? Um, it always comes back to the money in the contract. But I think that if Lance is this good, which clearly they had no antis- like they didn't anticipate this at all, which is a red flag in my eyes to trade up for a guy who is somehow better than you thought. I don't that doesn't register with me. I'm, I'm not understanding that. Help me explain that to me, please. So I think there were multiple paths back in January, February that the 49ers explored, right, in terms of upgrading their quarterback room holistically. And based on some of the rumors that have come out, one of those paths involved moving Jimmy Garoppolo, signing an Andy Dalton, Joe Flacco, uh, Mitch Trubisky, someone like that. And then obviously at that time, they're probably going to draft one of Trey Lance or Justin Fields or whoever they maybe they hadn't decided at the time, but drafting a high-end rookie quarterback. And that was the path I think the majority of people would have wanted to see, right? You and I definitely, just given the fact that, yes, it gives you a high-end rookie option that allows you to chase transcendence at that position while also saving the $24, $25 million that come with Jimmy Garoppolo's contract and able and, you know, just repouring that money right back into your team and improving your roster. And so we were befuddled when the 49ers chose to keep Jimmy Garoppolo and also chase transcendence at the position by giving up all that draft capital, right? It seems like you're spending all the draft capital to go get your guy as well as spending, you know, the cap space to keep a guy that may not be around long enough. The part that I think we don't necessarily know is kind of what the 49ers were asking for Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade and who the suitors were. You know, as the draft went on, the suitors closed up. New England took a quarterback. You know, Washington signed Ryan Fitzpatrick pretty early in the process. 
Uh, Houston still kind of lingers, but their situation is is just kind of so up in the air with Deshaun Watson's you know legal stuff. All the different teams that we thought Jimmy Garoppolo could go to, Chicago, maybe they drafted a quarterback. It just it closed up, and so next thing you knew, you're like, who was going to trade for this player? This player coming off of injury that's making so much money that even when he's on the field is a decent starting quarterback, but not someone you would uh, you know bet your fan- franchise's future on. So that that was the part of the equation that I think screwed the 49ers. And, you know, you talk about them mismanaging the situation. It's part of that. But I think part of it was just the situation where, yeah, we had nowhere to push Jimmy Garoppolo to, and now we're forced to kind of keep him. We can't really restructure his contract because then he'd be on the team, like, for additional years. Just a bad situation entirely. Um, And you don't want to outright cut him either because he's not a bad enough player where you just cut him, eat the money, whatever. I think best case, the 49ers hope that maybe he plays like a month. He plays well. Trey Lance takes over. Someone midseason, in the offseason, probably the offseason, decides, okay, he's only got one year left on his deal. He stayed somewhat healthy this year, showed some promise. We could take on that contract as like a bridge type situation. They're able to recoup some draft capital is, I think, the best case scenario that the 49ers are hoping for. So what you're telling me is best case scenario, they paid – Jimmy Garoppolo, $25 million for a month of his services to turn around and trade him for what a are they going to trade second? him for? Knowing that he was benched, they, who, nobody is going to trade a second round pick for that guy after. And, and I'm not saying he's benched because, again, it, it goes back sure. to Lance. But, right. um, man, I, I just have a hard time giving them a pat on the back for how they handle the situation. I, I'm not it either. Play itself out like that. Right, right. I'm not um, either. I'm just trying to justify just kind of what they're what the premise they were in probably and how they went, you know, landed on that decision. Um, well, and, and in the, and in the same way, if, if Trey Lance wasn't ready, come out the gates this season and they had Mitch Trubisky starting games or Andy Dalton starting games, I'm sure they would get eviscerated rightfully. So that would right? be a problem. Absolutely. That would be a problem yeah. too, right? So you it goes, it goes both ways. Yep. Three picks. Yeah. You can't trade three first yeah. round picks for somebody who's not ready to play in the NFL. I know he didn't play in 2020, but yeah, uh, yeah there's, it's tough yeah. because it's not black and white, and there's a there's just so much gray area in here. Yeah, we just got to get here and, uh, a month from now. We'll be able to see you know how far he's come along, and then we'll really have an idea of uh, how those two are. So one of the reasons that Lance has an opportunity to get on the field sooner than later is because he has a dimension that no other quarterbacks on the roster do have, and that is his legs. So Chris Sims, friend of the podcast, uh, he see, he believes that Lance's running ability is overrated. So he said, I've always liked his running ability. I think it's overrated. I guess what I'm saying is I'd like to see, yeah, the competition wasn't great. And he would reference Lamar Jackson played at Louisville. So he's going to, in the ACC against the Clemsons and the Florida States who had Derwin James and Lamar Jackson. Uh, and then you know, it's obviously not going against those same level of athletes. What I would say to Sims is that, in any level, athleticism translates. He is 6'4", 225 pounds. He runs a 4'5'1". That is going to be good enough anywhere at the quarterback position. And especially, you know, with the 49ers, when I'm thinking of just different red zone areas where, sure, first of all, you're going to use his legs in high leverage situations like down in the red area and in short yardage situations. But I think when there is nobody open – and you need somebody just to scramble for even like one or two seconds to create, not even to run the ball, but to create 
adding mobility is never a bad thing because you get to dictate a lot of what the defense does. So I think Sims is overrating, you know, or is underrating Lance in that aspect. And I think he's underrating his buddy with a matching tattoo of what he could do with a talent like Lance in those short yardage and, you know, goal line situations. So that, that would be the, the, the part where I disagree with, um, with Sims, because I, I'm not so sure that we need to focus on the competition knowing that Lance is going to be fast no matter who he goes against, how many running back or sorry, how many linebackers in the NFL are running four or five ones. And honestly, with the momentum that he's building up and the angles and whatnot, he's going to be faster than some safeties too. So I feel like you're ignoring a lot when you're, when, if you only focus on the level of competition here, when you're talking about running the ball, you ignore a lot of what Lance did when you're in. Agreed. I, I would say, Hey, Chris Sims, I do respect your opinion, but you don't have to lie anymore. The draft is over. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan got Trey Lance. You don't need to cape for uh, for Trey Lance anymore. But jokes apart, uh, I do think he's underrating Trey Lance's uh, running ability. And if you just watched Trey Lance in college, uh, he wasn't the like the open field stallion that maybe Justin Fields was, but he was trucking guys. And I get it's the FCS, but they're still athletes. We talked about, uh, I forget who... One of the North Dakota State players, I think he it was a linebacker. He transferred. Maybe it was a different team in the FCS, transferred to LSU, and he ended up getting drafted. Right, I forget his name, but you mentioned him on an earlier podcast. So it's not like these guys are just scrubs and become like insurance salesmen after, right? Some of them are legitimate athletes. And so if, if you're able to add a 4-5 type athlete at the quarterback position, super, super valuable uh, we've seen the type of quarterbacks at the 49ers defense, which has been historically good these last few years. They struggle against mobile athletic quarterbacks, the Kyler Murray, the Russell Wilson, the Lamar Jacksons, the Josh Allens. These guys, they just eviscerate the 49ers defense. And why would, you know, if, if you can find a guy that can, you know, throw and make all the plays from the pocket, as well as has the athletic running ability to create on his own, extend plays, make plays with his legs. It's just, you know, uh, it becomes wide open uh, for a play caller like Kyle Shanahan to improvise, right? Trey Lance just is able to add a layer on top of that. And the quote that always sticks out is Kyle Shanahan saying, you know, I want someone who can bail me out a few times too, right? And Trey Lance has that type athleticism to bail Kyle Shanahan out once in a while when his play call doesn't work or the defense has the right right call, um, you know. So I think he's underrating a little bit. And I'm not sure the the theme of crapping on Trey Lance, I feel like has continued from pre-draft to now. I I guess Trey Lance and Justin Fields, both those guys, I saw, I think he did like a top 40 quarterback ranking. I thought those two guys were at the bottom next to like Case Keenum, I think. You know, I I hate ranking rookie quarterbacks who haven't taken a snap with veterans, but I just thought that was kind of blasphemous considering where Mac Jones was and Kellen Mond was and all that kind of stuff. So So I just think he's underrating. You brought up Shanahan. So what he said on Tim Kawakami's podcast is about Lance. He said, quote, just watching him in college, everyone knows how good of a runner he is and how good of an athlete he is. When stuff broke down, Lance could very quickly turn himself into an athlete and go from a quarterback to a runner. But it's always neat when you watch a guy who's got that athletic ability, who still, especially at the level he played at, he was able to take over games with his legs a lot. But he never forced it. He sits there and he scans the field and he really can play in the pocket. And then he can play from the numbers when he gets outside of it. So, in quote. So, what Chan is saying is essentially what we we're both just saying, where 
He's going to hurt you with his legs. He's not going for us. He's a video game quarterback. He's not waiting for the defense to do something. Then he can just pull it down and run. He's just, that's kind of his last resort. And that's what makes Lance so dangerous. Like it's an added benefit. It's not something that he relies on. So uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about tight end you. All right. We are back. And before we get into tight end you, Akash, I actually want to ask you something. So I wrote um, just a question that I asked our readers on NinersNation.com. What would what needs to happen for the 2021 season to be considered a success? Is it as simple? Because And the reason I brought that up is because uh, you're getting a lot of Super Bowl or bus. And let me tell you something that does not exist. How many teams in the NFL could honestly say that this is a Super Bowl or bus season? I imagine not more than three. Patrick Mahomes, what? Chiefs, and Belichick and Brady probably. That's I was going to say, one of them, the greatest quarterback of all time who just cannot stop winning, other greatest coach of all time, and then there is this Patrick Mahomes fella. So outside of that, I feel like teams should just be ready to make the playoffs. There is a team in the division who you know has gone all in in 2021 and that is not the San Francisco 49ers, the popular team in L.A. But so what I was asking was, uh, is it just as simple as making the playoffs, uh, having a winning record, at least winning one playoff game, making it to the NFC Championship, which I feel is a more realistic goal than Super going Bowl to. Or bust. Yeah, yeah, just like <laughs> winning it all or not or nothing or we don't yeah. celebrate anything. So and the reason I say that is because, you know, it's going to be difficult to get the number one seed since well, that's going to be the number. No- you get a buy. So assuming the 49ers don't have the best record in the NFC, it will be difficult to make the Super Bowl, obviously, yeah. because that'll be the least uh the path of least resistance. So if they were to be a wild card, they make the wild card game, they may they win to the division game, they make the NFC championship with a rookie quarterback or Jimmy Garoppolo in this instance, that would be a very successful season because that means Lance was much better than the team anticipated, or Jimmy G stayed healthy. Uh also, the schedule is probably as easy as we all thought. D'Amico Ryans didn't have, you know, any issues transitioning. Uh, Javon Kinlaw took the next step. There's going to be a lot of very fun storylines if it works out like that. But again, we have to get a lot. A lot has to happen for, for us to get there. So, um, yeah, what do you think? What, what needs to happen for this, for this year to be a successful season? I'm not trying to be a hater. But we got to pump the brake sometimes on Super Bowl or bust with the San Francisco 49ers. I feel like fans think Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are actually Sean McVay and the Rams. Like this team in the last four years has made the playoffs once. One time. Mm-hmm. The other three times they've missed the playoffs. They've basically drafted in the top 12 every other season. So let's just pump the brake. Let's just make the playoffs again. Just 49ers get into the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens. It's The Super Bowl or bust thing is so silly because in my 25 years of life, they've only made it twice, and both times obviously lost. And the second time, the most recent, these two years ago, they were six inches away in Seattle, which is like two <laughs> minutes away, away from me, from being the five seed. Literally two inches. They had an amazing season, historic defense, fantastic run game, and they were basically a Dre Greenlaw tackle away from going to Philadelphia and possibly not making the Super Bowl that season because they would have had a three road games, tough schedule, whatever. That's how difficult it is to make the Super Bowl. So to say Super Bowl or bust for a team that hasn't consistently even made the playoffs is just we got to pump the brakes on that. No matter how good their roster is, how good their coach is, whatever you think of their quarterback, it's just unrealistic expectations. Like I said, 
I think only two teams, you know, those the Patriots of the 2000s and 2010s, and then now the Chiefs. I think those are the only two teams that really have Super Bowl or bust expectations. Every other team, you're just trying to get into the dance, stay healthy. If you have a good enough team, just try to compete, right? And I think the 49ers kind of fall into that category, and I'd consider the season a success if they made the playoffs, which would be the second time in five years uh, under Kyle Shanahan. And if they made the playoffs, and it doesn't matter with who, with Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, I think regardless of his success, if it was with Jimmy Garoppolo, that means he, like you mentioned, was healthy, was able to play uh, through the entire season. You'd be a little concerned because that meant Trey Lance didn't play, and you'd wonder, okay, how's his you know long-term outlook if you hadn't seen him play? And if Trey Lance is the one that takes the team to the playoffs, you feel even better because now your rookie quarterback that you drafted so high, spent so much on, was the, was the quarterback that led the team to the playoffs. And once you get into the dance, then all hell breaks loose. Anything is possible. You know, depending on the schedule, your matchup, are you at home, are you away, do you have a bye, any of that stuff, you could be, you know, a couple games away from the Super Bowl. So you just got to give yourself a shot. Just got to get into the playoffs first. And then anything from that point forward is free money to me. So you got to think of fans and what they're going to remember. So Al Shanahan's tenure, 2017, six games, 2018, four games, 2019, 13 games, 2020, six games. Which one of those seasons are you going to grasp onto? And obviously Harbaugh was very successful, but he was. since they've been to the Super Bowl twice, uh, ignore the twice in your lifetime, twice in a decade is what people are going to remember. So because of that, and with the cycle and how the NFL works, and it doesn't hurt that 49ers do have a crazy talented team. And I don't think anybody would dispute that. Um, it's just that, you know, the bottom line is being able to get there, but going back to remembering what you want to remember, uh, 2019. And then, you know, the first, when they went with cap, that that's what people are going to grasp to. So naturally but every season is going to be you, Super Bowl you, bust. you would hope for like a Josh Allen and bills type development from Trey Lance and the yeah. 49ers where they, I think they made the playoffs the first season. Was that the Houston game where he he played horribly? <laughs> awful, awful. He played game. awful, yeah. but they made the playoffs, and the Bills Bills fans were like, "Okay, we've got a guy that can take us there." He played bad, but it's okay. And then the next year, this past season, they they won a playoff game, or they won a home playoff game, and then on the road against Kansas City, didn't play well, but oh well. That's the kind of development you'd hope for if Trey Lance was the quarterback. I just think 49ers fans have become accustomed to like lightning in a bottle, make the Super Bowl, and then there's just like this there's just this terrible team the rest of the way. So you'd hope for more stability out of the coach and the quarterback position. And that starts with making the playoffs this season. And that's got to be the sole focus. If they can do that. I'd, I'd consider the season a success, regardless of what happens. If it's a first round exit, they lose in the wild card. They make the NFC title game, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if they, if they make the playoffs, that would be the second time in five years. I'd consider that a success. I think that's what Kyle Shanahan needs. I think he just needs to just get it. consistency. And because of that, that would afford, would, would you agree that that would afford him? Because, and before I ask that, and I, by the way, I think all the criticism that he's been getting, excuse me, this season is fair because the results just haven't been there. And we know all, like the asterisk, you can put an asterisk next to every season for all the injuries, but he is the guy who makes the decisions. But a, a winning season and making the playoffs would just go a long way yep. for him. And yeah, I guess, you know, as, for somebody, as somebody who roots like hell for Kyle Shannon, that's what I hope does happen. Um, yeah. Tight end you, George Kittle. Uh, he has put together a little something, something where basically all the tight ends come together. Uh, it looks, it seemed like they were just having a blast. Uh, 
boys party past weekend or, or I don't know if it was this past weekend or if it's just been nonstop for the past since June. But uh, these guys look like they're having fun. They're trying to get, you know, the name for the tight ends out because tight ends are not well represented. And we were talking a little bit about this before. Uh, like, are there even 10? And when I say good, good, I'm talking about guys that are game. Not, I don't know if game changers is fair because that might be asking for too much. But um, George the Kittle players of the position. Right, right, right. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. And then, and then you start to off. reach. Yeah, then yeah. everything's been like, and do you really want to count him? So uh, what what have you learned or taken away from what tight in you is? Did you get an invite? I wish I got an invite. I mean, <laughs> these guys, these boys were out in Nashville. I think they were out in Vegas. They had like a party. That's the one that Trey Lance and Trey Sermon went to. Hello. And they went, then they got back to Nashville. It just seemed like a party. I mean, they were crushing beers. They were at Top Golf one of the days. I saw they did like a uh, like a beer ice bath. One of the days, obviously <laughs> got some work. That in. screams Kittle and Kelsey, by the way. And, oh yeah, and I just find it ironic because fans always pit Travis Kelsey and George Kittle apart, like ah, this guy's better, or this guy's route running is better, or this guy's yak ability is better, and it's like those guys in the offseason don't give two shit about that. They really, I think they respect and admire each other and try to genuinely one up each other if that makes sense on the field. Because uh, Kittle had that record-breaking season three, two, three years ago now in 2018, and obviously Travis Kelsey yep. broke the record this past season, and I'm sure George Kittle is going to try to swing for the fences next season. And they've got this good, like, competitive relationship, and fans on social media at least just try to pit them against each other, like they hate each other, and you want that. But uh, aside from that, I thought I I really respect and admire what George Kittle is doing for the tight end position, whether it's on the field, contractually with that record-breaking contract last offseason. Or now with tight end you um, just giving you know more exposure to the position to the players at the position um, you know giving them an opportunity to work with each other just get better uh, which is the the goal at the end of the day obviously he does his national tight ends day he's always shouting out other tight ends on social media I know he works out with a bunch of them in Nashville at his gym uh, so just a lot of respect for George Kittle regardless of what he does on the field I think sort of his legacy or what he's going to be remembered for is kind of this guy that brought a lot of exposure to tight ends and the position in general. So that's, that's really, really cool. You know, Von Miller does his pass, ru- pass rushing summit and he's known for that. And I feel like George Kittle now is going to be known for tight end you, even if it's in collaboration with uh, Greg Olson and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Especially if it'd be something that continues, you know, after he's done playing where, you know, they're, they're keeping talking on talking about the tight ends who are in the league. So speak, you were talking about, Kittle on the field. Uh, he was not too shabby. And I didn't know that he was as good as he was in 2020. So despite missing half of the team's games, he was still the third leading receiver, which probably says more about the, more about the receivers yeah. than him. But that's pretty freaking impressive. Like he was on pace to have a better season than the 2019 year when they made the freaking Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, he was on pace to have like 96 uh, receptions, I believe it was. Uh, just Pretty nuts, yeah. And uh, we were, t- there's been some topics going around 49 Twitter about, you know, does he need to score more? And the we do these 90, 90, 90, and 90, just breaking down all the players. And one of the questions that I asked was, like, how Kittle can improve. And one of the areas that I think he can improve as a player is, and it's, it's impossible. He's 27. He is who he is at this stage in his career. But I just wish he would avoid contact and not try to run through people's faces every play. And maybe that would, you know, cause him to add a few years at the end of his career. And it certainly would help him stay healthy, but that's just not his style of play. So, I I mean, I guess I don't fault him for it. I just, 
I wish he was a little less. I, I don't know if reckless is the right word. I, I don't know if fearless is the right word either. Um, reckless, more yeah. under, under control in that right, sense right, where right, right. he's Be a little bit smart with shots. your body. Yeah, yeah not, not seeking not, out contact. Not every play needs to be, yeah, I got to take down four guys and gain like two extra yards. You got to be just a little smart, seasons long, 17 games, want to try to extend your career maybe. It's got to be a little bit more intelligent, I guess, on certain plays not to just put your body on the line every time, which I, he's just wired that way, and that's why I think fans yeah. admire him so much. But as just people that watch the game closely, you just every time he takes an extra hit or whatever, you just you gasp a little bit because you're like, ah, I hope he's all right. Over under seven touchdowns for George Kittle in 2021. Well, the smart thing would be to do is bet the under. <laughs> I mean, uh, if, if if history says history? anything, he's he's not he's not getting to that getting to that mark. Five um, is his career high. But right when I make that bet, I'm sure he's gonna just erupt this season and go for like double digit touchdowns or something. But yeah, I mean, one of the big one of our biggest knocks with him is just his lack of red zone touchdowns. Uh, Rob and I were talking, Rob, the producer, uh, before we hit record, and a lot of his touchdowns are, are just giant plays, right? You can immediately think to, you know, the touchdown against the Packers on Sunday night football yeah. or the touchdown against the Cardinals where he stiff arms Buda Baker or the one against the Rams last last year on Sunday night football, right, on the, the zero blitz as Garoppolo hits him on the slant. And you just think about those big home run touchdowns. You don't really remember anything in the red zone where they're 10 yards and in and – George Kittle gets targeted in that area. And that's the area that we'd like to see him improve upon. And that's, you know, that that's a lot of things at play. It's play call. It's Kyle Shanahan use, utilizing that way, pass protection, all those things. But that's the that's the part of his game that you'd like to see get better. There's ever a moment to break a rookie quarterback in, it would be a superstar tight end. And it's almost as if you could kill two birds with one stone and have him almost. lean on Kittle heavily especially down near the goal line. Almost. Um, that'll do it for us, I believe. My name is Kyle Posey. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Shanna Plan. Rate, subscribe, review, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Akash, where can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, yes, Akash, Akash, whatever Kyle calls me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. As usual, appreciate you for listening. Enjoy the state of the franchise later today after you listen to the Shannon Plan podcast. And go Niners. Go Niners.